Welcome to the inaugural episode of Hoggin' the Mic. I'm Tucker Partridge. And I am Saul Malone. What's up, baby? We're back. We're back, and hopefully better than ever. You may have heard us previously under the name Wupod Sui, but that's dead and in a completely different lifetime now. We're different people. I don't even remember who I was back then. I couldn't tell you anything about that pod. I blacked out the entire time making it. We're hogging the mic, baby. We're back. We're better than ever. Newly improved. Same host, same bullshit. New name. And we have Arkansas football to talk about for like the first time in 10 months. So let's get right into it. Saul, the Hogs played on Saturday. They did. Uh, I gotta be honest. Uh, if you had told me in the months of June or July that Arkansas football would be kicking off at the end of September, I would have called you crazy and said there was no way it was happening, but it happened. I was wrong, uh, and I'm glad to be wrong. It felt really nice to sit down and watch an Arkansas football game, despite the outcome. Uh, you know, all things said, it was just nice to feel a pretty, like a sense of normalcy in some regard to just sit down and watch the Hogs play football. Um, and as we'll discuss in a little bit here to feel excited about watching the university of Arkansas play football uh, and look like a competent SEC team, SEC team for stretches at a time. It was very nice. Uh, so yeah, what did you, what did you think? Were you just happy to have some hog football back on your screen? It really was sort of a strange sensation as we've seen sports start to come back. I've obviously never really loved a team like I loved Arkansas. And so while I was excited that Steph was coming back and games were being played all across different leagues, it just felt back, I guess, when Arkansas kicked off. Like, things were at least some semblance of normal again. And I don't know if we'll ever get back to that, if at all. But uh, in the meantime, it felt really good just to see Razorback Stadium on TV again. And hopefully it won't be long before we can get everybody back in it. Yeah, you know, you, you know, you miss the fans in place and obviously limited capacity, uh, not full capacity. And, you know, excited to see that some fans were able to get in. Hope, you know, safety, obviously safety precautions were hopefully taken and all that jazz. But yeah, it's, it's still weird to see a, a, a mostly empty Razorback stadium and a snow tailgating and just even you could tell the SEC n- network cameras that were kind of filming the B roll stuff, even to them, just, just an empty Arkansas campus, which, you know, it it it's, it does take you out of it a little bit, but I think I was so stoked to watch the Hawks play football that I kind of just my brain was like, "All right, you're right, that is bad, but let's let's just watch some football." Um, and that is hopefully not to seem that I'm making light of anything that's going on, but selfishly, it felt good to just feel excited about something again uh, for the first time in a while. And we got to feel excited pretty early on. Uh, This game was better than I think any of us could have anticipated. A lot of people were really high on the Sam Pittman hire. Uh, We kind of went back and forth about that on Wupad Sui, but ended up coming around to say we thought it ended up being a good hire. Uh, Early on in the season, one game in, obviously, things look like there's a glimmer of hope in the distance. Uh, why don't you uh, run us through the stats? 
Yeah, I, just a quick note before we get in here. These numbers do not tell the entire story of this game. I think most people watching that would agree uh, with that assessment that we've made here. You know, obviously we, towards the end, kind of fell apart in, in, in ways and across different areas of the field. But I will say just the just sheer numbers of this game do not tell the entire story. But let's get into them and we can kind of talk about them and break that break that down a little bit so hogs unfortunately fell to the dogs 37 10 on saturday uh but some things to be happy about but let's uh, let's get into that some some good stuff from the offense felipe franks went 19 of 36 for 200 yards a touchdown uh and two interceptions unfortunately he had a five carries and for 39 yards on the ground kj jefferson did appear on a couple of series going one for two for three yards he also added 16 yards on the ground on four carries. Traylon Smith actually led Arkansas ball carriers in rushing with six carries for 38 yards. He had a three catches for 13 yards. Rakeem Boyd, who just could not get it going on Saturday, was 11 carries for 21 yards. He had four catches for eight yards. And Arkansas receivers were paced by Traylon Burks, who looked really good, going for seven catches for 102 yards, and of course that touchdown. Mike Woods was right behind him with three catches for 40 yards. Devian Warren going one catch for 38 yards. Blake Kern adding a catch for nine, and Trey Knox adding a catch for three yards. Arkansas totaled 280 yards, 203 of that came through the air, 77 on the ground. Uh, really kind of struggled on third down, uh, going three of 14 for conversions, and gave up three interceptions, two coming from Felipe Franks, and one coming from Traylon Burks on a really bad trick play, uh, just kind of towards the end there uh, I don't know what we know what Kendall Bryles was going for and we can get into some of his play calling decisions there but the offense looked pretty okay all things considered it definitely looked like some growing pains trying to get that Kendall Bryles offense down uh, the defense kind of the bright spot especially to start off the game uh, you know towards the end gave up some more yards, uh, 387 total yards for the Dogs on Saturday. Dewan Mathis got the starting nod at quarterback, which was kind of the big question of who was Georgia going to trot out there to start their first game of the season, and we got the answer in Dewan Mathis, uh, who struggled early, went 8 for 17 for 55 yards and a pick. He was relieved by Stetson Bennett the fourth, uh, which is just the most Georgia-ass name that we could possibly think of on this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, to Stetson's credit, he stepped in and he got him kind of back on track uh he went 20 for 29 for 211 yards added two touchdowns five carries uh, for 20 yards and the dogs were led on the ground by zamir white who went 13 carries for 71 yards and a touchdown james cook added seven carries for 26 yards both those running backs had two catches zamir white for nine and jamie or james cook excuse me for 10 so uh a lot of different uh players spreading the ball out uh every single it seemed georgia player had a catch. Kyrus Jackson led all Georgia pass catchers with six catches for 62 yards. George Pickens had four catches for 47 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Demetrius Robertson had four catches for 29 yards. Matt Landers had two catches for 27 yards. John Fitzpatrick had two for 19 and a, cru- a crucial kind of later touchdown that really got them going back on offense. Uh, five more Georgia players on top of that with a catch. So Really able to spread the ball around us, especially in that second half. But like we said, uh, numbers kind of don't tell the full story of the game, especially with a strong start from the Arkansas defense. Um, but those are just kind of the numbers. Let's kind of dive into into what we thought was going on with the Hogs. Uh, I think, first of all, you can take a look at that last little stat that you've got there that five other Georgia players had a catch. Uh, that was really kind of the story of the game was just depth. I think that we came out looking good. 
The defense yes. was flying all over the field, was covering really well. And unfortunately, that resulted in fading towards the end of the game simply because we don't have the depth to keep up with Georgia. And I think even the most optimistic Arkansas fan realized that going into the game. But what was exciting to me was to watch people look like they knew what they were doing, which was never a given during the Chad Morris era. Uh, We've had guys flying all over the field on defense, really, really tight coverage, which was really impressive given the fact that we were 126th in the country in defense last year. It, Out of 132 teams. It says to me that Barry Odom may end up being the steal of this offseason, and quite frankly, I'm already worried about losing him to someone else yeah. uh, as a head coach because he is apparently a hell of a defensive coordinator because I, they looked like a an SEC defense. Yeah. And, uh- Played like one for most of yeah. the game. And I, I trust no one forgets this, but Arkansas took a 7-2-5 halftime lead uh, into into the second half. Like We went into the locker room up on Georgia. That is a thing that we can say about an SEC opponent in 2020, which is light years ahead of two seasons at, with Chad Morris. Uh, just already looking just very on track to... Surprise some folks, I think, and uh, I hate to be cliche, and I always make fun of people that say this, but this is a team that could make a little noise this year. <laughs> um, could possibly upset some bigger teams, as we've seen that nothing is, a, we saw on Saturday, nothing is given SEC-wise this year. A lot of bigger teams kind of went down, a lot of teams look good, a lot of teams look bad. Uh, it's more wide open than I would kind of normally assess the SEC to be, and I think if it's a year for Arkansas to make a little noise with a new head coach and a competent staff and some really fun skill players. This could be maybe the year. Uh, no, I'm not claiming that we're going to be bowl eligible or anything by the end of the season. I'm just saying I think we're going to keep it a little closer with some teams than maybe people thought, and we might even come out ahead in a few of those contests. The good news is that with uh, the pandemic, it has resulted in teams with a less than winning record being eligible for bowls so we might end up being bowl eligible even if we don't win a game um with that said i obviously defense was the star of the day obviously they faded a little late but again that came down to depth more than anything offense though i'd love to talk about offense felipe franks got the nod at quarterback which we all knew coming into it it was kind of cool to see some kj cameos but we all knew that franks was going to be taking the bulk of the snaps and for the most part i enjoyed uh the play calling felt like it was good um there were a couple of moments here and there obviously the two trick plays that went catastrophically and ended up in turnovers are not great, but the this Georgia defense leaves me wondering, what can you do? Because their front seven could feasibly all be playing in the NFL in a couple of years, and their safeties and corners are not far behind that. Yeah, and, you, and we really saw that on Saturday. Rakeem Boyd just could not get going in any facet of the game. I mean, 11 carries for 21 yards, four catches, just 
at for eight, I think it was, just like averaging two, literally two yards a carry and two yards a catch. Uh, that is a tough day for a really explosive playmaker like Rakeem, a guy that we're used to seeing even against tough SEC defensive, do some things and either find the end zone or, or scratch out, you know, 70 to 80 yards on the ground because he's kind of one of those tough downhill runners. But man, he was just stonewalled on Saturday. And it was, that was kind of surprising to me because we were doing so many things well. It, it just seemed like that Rakeem Boyd was just kind of the, the thing that's automatic for us. Um, and he just wasn't on Saturday. But, you know, like we said, Traylon Burks for seven catches and 102 yards and the receiving core really stepped up. Blake Kern looked good, showed some flashes, I thought, at tight end. Um, and yeah, like you said, Felipe, I didn't dread our offense taking the field like maybe I normally would. Felipe, at the very least, looked like he knew somewhat what was going on out there. He looked like he'd play SEC football before. And that's comforting to me, looking for a team that doesn't have a ton of returning people and is, you know, experiencing an entire coaching staff turnover. So all things said and done offensively, you know, definitely some work to do, especially we kind of got, we we couldn't keep up with Georgia in the second half. And, you know, again, we acknowledge that at the end of the day, they just have more more talented players than we do. And that's just that's just a fact. Like they have the recruiting to do so. They've been to the national championship within the last three years. Like they're gonna be able to pull some guys that Arkansas is not, and that's okay. But definitely some things that where we shot ourselves in the foot. I didn't like the trick plays like you said, both I think led to either turnovers on down and trailing burst that interception. It just wasn't a great time to see that sort of stuff. But overall I was pretty pretty content with how we looked game one against a tough SEC opponent. It was interesting to me. I don't know how you felt about this, but we went a little faster than I thought we were going to go. When we hired Kendall Bryles, I thought, you know, that we would run that kind of spread, throw it around kind of playbook just because that's what he does. But with Sam Pittman being an offensive line guy traditionally, I wasn't really expecting that kind of super fast, 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 hurry up, no huddle. I was expecting, you know, maybe something a little faster than Brett Bielema ball or something, but I definitely wasn't expecting us to be running no huddle uh, against the number four team in the country. And it didn't have the, you know, desired outcome, I guess. But like we've said already, there was at least a competency that we looked like we belonged on the same field. Yeah. And I think, I think that's a lot of what the excitement is. I, I felt... Man, when when Felipe Franks caught Traylon Burks for that touchdown pass in the first quarter, I I was losing my mind. I was I was like, I haven't felt this way about Arkansas football in what three years now. Uh, like excitement where I'm not talking myself into being excited of like, yeah, that was like a, a pretty like close game for the first three minutes. You know, when we you know played Alabama, it's like no, uh, we took the lead on a really good drawn up play where our players executed and looked really good. And so I you know. There are no we we both agree that there are no moral victories, but I will say uh, to be able to feel excited about my alma mater's football team for the first time in three years is a nice little takeaway, regardless of what happens uh, in the box score. I think just hitting every position, there is enough talent to where we should be able to move the ball against a not Georgia defense, uh, assuming that every other defense in the SEC isn't going to be that elite, which I guess is never a safe assumption, but. Franks was decent at Florida, and in fact, was pretty good at certain points. I think the accuracy was always just the question mark with him, and 
Hopefully we're not having to throw it 40 times a game like we did this time. So that can help you out with the accuracy. But we know Rakeem Boyd is a proven stud and he's done it with a worse offense and basically no quarterback. So you've got to think that he'll be able to hit the ground running in the next couple of games. That'll just rely on not facing seven NFL caliber players on the other team. And Burks, we know is great. Uh, Mike Woods really impressed me. We knew he was a decent recruit coming out of high school, but he had some big catches in that game. And then Trey Knox, obviously, we expect to do more than he did in this game just because that defense was so suffocating. But when you've got a guy that big, that's red zone money right there. Uh, Devion Warren, obviously, is really fast, but I did not expect to see him on the field as much and so that one long catch that he had was kind of a nice little surprise but i'd be remiss if i missed talking about your new large football son blake kern my large boy blake kern uh i will say hudson henry did not impress me as much as i kind of anticipated i thought he was just kind of gonna slide in and be just the guy in a redshirt freshman had a year to learn uh, or at least get some reps and you know i mean i i give i'm cutting everyone a, a 20,000 feet of slack with you know a new coaching regime coming in especially for freshmen and that sort of stuff like it's hard I there's just no other way to say it I'm not gonna pretend like I know like what it's like to play division one college football but I thought Hudson would kind of step up and play a little better and Blake who it just looks like an offensive lineman that can catch my large boy he went out and made you know some plays he only had the one catch but man he was running nice routes he had some looks I thought that looked really good he just looked good out there um, and not someone I was particularly paying attention to before the season started um to be fair so uh, yeah I thought he looked good I thought I just think there's some some guys are going to step up and and have games like that where you're like oh that's right we have this sort of skill on our bench or on our team and I think it's going to shine through and I think what came I think to me at the end of the day the thing that I was most impressed about was that first touchdown we scored they literally commented on it on SEC Network was how genuinely excited our bench was um how stoked they were that we were going crazy and then it was the first time they'd ever seen an Arkansas bench react that way in about you know four or five years and I think that speaks volumes to what Pittman and his staff and the guys that are bought into this this team have been able to do uh that that early on first game and you know his first season here I think that's the biggest takeaway I had uh, out of all the all the things that I noticed and heard and you know we can talk about X's O's and numbers but man you cannot coach a team to be fired up and excited for their coach and for for their team and their season on a season that a lot of people had written off right I think anybody with any sense was going to give Sam Pittman a pass this year just because of the turmoil with the Chad Morris hangover obviously but then also you have an unprecedented global pandemic shutting down the entire sport for several months I think a lot of people were willing to say okay let's just give him a blank check this year and see what happens next year but to already see what, I don't know, sometimes I think is kind of a cliche that you hear from football coaches, but, you know, a winning culture. Uh, you hear that all the time. I'm not really sure what that means sometimes, but I think I kind of saw it on Saturday. And it was just that kind of vibrancy, that electricity on the sideline that yeah, why not Arkansas? And I think that's exactly the mentality that we're going to have to have to have success here. And that's kind of what Pittman came in saying he was going to do. So the fact that he's been able to install that in what, eight months? 
Yeah. Maybe fewer maybe. than that. That's really kind of unbelievable. Yeah, and I think we talked a little bit about this last year when he was hired, but you can tell Sam Pittman is excited to be a hog. He's not just excited to be a head coach. He's excited to be the head coach at the University of Arkansas. And that's something that we talked about. We never really felt ever from Chad Morris. You know, it was a cool step up from him to go from head coach uh, at SMU to head coach at SMU or, uh, you know, SEC Power 5 school. You know, and that's great for him, a good career step, blah, blah, blah. But it never, I never felt like he was bought into to us and to the school or even to the community community or the fans and you know it you could tell even halfway through season one he had it felt like he had already started checking out and then he had fully checked out by season two it felt like but from the press conferences and quotes that he was putting out so i think that that speaks volumes too is sam Pittman and and the people he's brought in have are fully bought into arkansas and i think that helps the guys that are here fully buy in because if if my coach and my coaching staff are like this is where i want to be because i like the guys we have here that's going to pump me up and make me want to play well and make me want to continue to play well because what i will say is even when we started kind of getting started getting away from us a little bit i never saw our guys quit um and our guys quit a lot last year and i don't blame them i wouldn't want to particularly go hard for chad morris but game one we're down to georgia a team that is expected to beat us they're starting to kind of pull away with it as people kind of predicted and arkansas is still playing hard late into the fourth quarter and i think that's really cool right i don't think that there's any point last year or the year before where we lead georgia seven to five or seven to two even at a certain point like there was no universe where it felt like okay this is possible and i you know i may have allowed myself to believe a little bit too much by the time we recovered the fumble to start the second half but uh you know to be believing again was such a good feeling that i I don't know it just kind of washed that bad taste of chad morris uh, out of your mouth so yeah uh, to even have belief be an option on the table because quite frankly the last two years I I didn't even consider believing. I was like, "Oh, yeah, of course things are going to go poorly. We have this coaching staff and, you know, this thing is happening." Like, but to game 1 of the new SEC season and I'm like, "You know what? I'm going to believe in something and I'm going to believe in this team and I'm not going to feel stupid about it for a little bit." Uh just to even have that option was really nice. To have fun watching an Arkansas football game for the majority of the game was such a strange feeling. It's something that I truly have not felt since the Bielema era. So uh, kudos to Sam Pittman and co. for putting that together because I, I, I don't think we're alone with that. I felt like Arkansas Twitter was kind of vibrant and alive and I'm sure the conversation was as well. But it, it was fun. I had fun. Yeah, I had a good time. I saw people tweeting about us, which, uh, and they weren't making fun of us, which was, you know, a new thing is like, oh, wow, look at the hogs, like, uh, taking a lead or playing well. And it wasn't like, hey, look at the hogs giving up this special teams, like, bonkers play where they let some guy lateral it five times and get scored on. And somehow the touchdown scored, uh, for two touchdowns because it's against Arkansas. Like, it was, uh, I felt like pride in my, fo- in my football team and my coaching staff. Uh, and even people like making fun of us, it just kind of rolled off my back a little more. Like, last year I was like suffering and I held grudges and I was like, yeah, well, you'll see. And I'm just like, you know what? I don't even care, man. We looked good. So, we have a whole season ahead of us, allegedly, assuming everything holds up and the world doesn't end uh, by November as 2020 seems to be headed. Uh, what, let's take a look at our schedule and see if maybe we can pick out some wins and losses. 
That's right. We unfortunately, because of the way this podcast was come together, we didn't, and the way we didn't know if the season was going to come together, we did not have time to do a preseason kind of schedule breakdown for the Hogs. So we're going to get it out of the way and do it here on episode one. That way we can look back and kind of see how we did, where we were right and where we were wrong. But we do want to have something on the record of who we think the Hogs can beat. So that you can expose these old takes. Please. I'm so bad at this. All right. Well, we're going to start off uh, hitting the ground running next week as we travel to Starkville at Davis Wade Stadium to play number 16 now, Mississippi State Bulldogs, led by SEC newcomer Mike Leach, the Pirate. The Pirate. What do you think gonna- about this game? We're going to break this game down here after this preview, uh, so I'll get into some specifics uh, a little little bit, but I would just like to say up top that it is truly impressive (laughs) that Mike Leach, every year, adds nothing to his playbook. Nope, new pages. He doesn't draw anything crazy up. He literally takes the same playbook. He tells you what he's going to do with it. He looks at you dead in the eye and says, hey, this is what my team's going to do. If you want to try and stop it, you go ahead. And he, go, and he goes out and he does that exact damn thing. And teams are still like, what we had no idea it was going to happen like that. It's like, well, I assure you that he gave you everything that you needed to, to stop him. And you just can't do it. Because for some reason, people cannot fathom that an air raid still still can work in 2020. And and it does. Um, and just flat out, if, if they are able to do that against LSU, who I think came into the season way overrated. Uh, not returning a lot of starters on both sides of the ball. No Joe Brady. No Joe Burrow. Uh, lost their number one receiver. A lot of new turnover. You know, like I said, just on both sides. Like that's not a, the number six team in the country. I, I mean, they are good, uh, and they will be good. They're not going to lose every game they play, but they are not the six, number six team in the country. Uh, and to see Mississippi State kind of prove that with their performance on Saturday, uh, I I'm, I don't think the Hogs' defense can handle the air raid. Uh, just quite frankly, I don't think that it's necessarily going to be in our best interest. To even uh, try to stop the air raid in the way that that LSU did, it's going to be a way of like how can we create some turnovers and how can we get the ball back. But I, I think to next week, especially with how good they looked, KJ Costello looked really comfortable in the system. I think the it's going to be a, a tough a tough L for the Hogs. I think it's interesting that ahead of the season, obviously before we had seen anybody play, this was the one game this year that we were favored in by a whopping fifty point one percent. Um, now I'm not so sure about that, but that's the thing with the air raid is I don't know how our defense will handle it because I don't know how our defense will play with this Georgia game. I feel way more confident about our defense than I had going into the entire season, but an air raid is an air raid and I can witness, you know, them just carving LSU apart and think, well, LSU probably has better defensive backs than we do. And I don't know. I, I would have told you before the season that I could see a win here, but unless KJ Costello comes crashing back down to earth and throws the ball to the red team a couple of times, I am not sure I see a win here. Yeah, it's just going to be tough. That it, And again, we know exactly what they're going to do, and I think they're just going to come out and just do it. You never know with an air raid. I guess they could have 700 yards or seven interceptions or both. Um, Both is definitely on the table. (laughs) Both is on the table. So that takes us to the next week, October 10th. It never gets easier at 
Number seven, Auburn Tigers, led by Chadwick Morris as their offensive coordinator. The revenge game. Revenge game. Uh, which shout out to uh, shout out to Gus Malzahn just uh, losing his mind and being exasperated with Chad Morris on the sidelines for SEC Nation. Uh, we get it. We have been there, Gus. Let us just say that we understand your frustration, and it is warranted. Uh, I, again, a tough game. Auburn has look, looked good. Bo Nix looks amazing. He's you know second year back in the system. He, system. He looked good as a freshman. He looks better as a sophomore, which is to be expected. It's the same system he ran last year. He is... You know, obviously, Chad Morris will tweak it a little bit to his stylings, but it doesn't look like they're doing too much that different. Um, and I, I just want to, I guess we should say up top is like, we're going to sound kind of down on the Hogs in most of these games because it's a 10 game all SEC schedule. Uh, let's just, you know, we're, no one here is dumb. Uh, we know what <laughs> we know what the SEC looks like. We know especially what the SEC West looks like. Uh, it's just going to be tough sledding, and we would like to acknowledge that up top. Um, if Auburn, if we can keep Auburn contained uh, in one facet of the game on defense, either on the ground or through the air, if we can, if we can limit at both of them, I think the Hawks can keep it a little closer than people think. Offense pretty, pretty balanced on the Auburn side of the ball. They have a lot of good weapons around Bo Nix to play, obviously, and especially that receiving core. He's got some playmakers over there. Uh, but if we can keep, if we can keep something locked down, I think the Hawks can keep it close. But I, I don't think we can outplay Auburn for four quarters. They, again, just. It's going to come down a lot to what we saw with Georgia this year. They're just going to have a more better athletes to pull from. They're going to have a deeper bench. They're going to have a deeper depth chart. And just guys can step up next man up side of mentality on a lot of these teams that maybe Arkansas just can't compete with. I don't feel really good about this game, um, mainly because of that talent deficit. However, I think that Auburn is going to be my pick uh, for implosion team in that the egos will cause an implosion at some point. It may not be against us, but I just feel like Chad Morris is a pretty proud guy, but Gus is a prouder guy, and that at some point there will be heads butting, and that I could easily see them dropping like four or five games that they shouldn't. So I suppose that's always on the table, but no, I don't see Arkansas pulling out a win, especially at Auburn. That's just... It's a tough place to play. Obviously, it won't have the capacity of fans that it usually has, but the talent deficit, I bet, will more than make up for that. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't. I'm not willing. To, I won't take out the possible revenge factor here. There's some guys that Chad Morris coached on the team, and I sure would feel really good to be like, "Hey, guess what, buddy? We're good, and and we beat you." And I think that is a motivating factor. I don't. I don't know how far that motivation will swing things, but I, I don't want to rule it out. I think, Like I said, I think Arkansas will play Auburn a little tougher than maybe people think, uh, but I, I don't particularly feel optimistic about coming out with a W. The next week is homecoming <laughs> pretty early on October 17th. That's against Ole Miss with new SEC head coach, the prodigal son, Lane Kiffin. Yes, uh, I'm going to give – that's an Arkansas W. Uh, that is an Arkansas W in my book, and I think that's going to be a really fun shootout kind of game, a real classic SEC like high-scoring affair because, uh, to be frank, Ole Miss might have the worst defense in Division One football uh, from what I've seen uh, of their play against Florida where they allowed Florida – just an SEC record amount of like yards and points, and Kyle Trask did whatever he wanted to them, and 
it was a sight to behold. Uh, and I think Arkansas can go out and uh, play the same amount of offense. They have the same kind of uh, level of offensive firepower, I think, that the Rebels have. And I think they have a better defense. And I think that's going to come in, in handy and, and, you know, playing home, homecoming. That's and we've talked about this. The Ole Miss game is always weird. It's never a normal game. It's something. It's we had you know the Hunter Henry Ole Miss game. We've had the seven overtime game. We've had you know just countless matchups, the weird ones in Little Rock that just kind of turn crazy. It's never a, a, a normal game when we play the Rebels. But uh, I'm giving Arkansas the dub. I think they get the nod here, and I think they they come out on top. To my own peril, I'm also going to say that Arkansas can get a dub here. Uh, that coming mostly from the fact that this series is weird, but also just the awful performance by the Ole Miss defense. It felt like a very Ole Miss performance because their offense put up huge numbers against Florida, but their defense gave up uh, huger numbers. So to, uh, I don't know that we'll have the offensive firepower that Florida does, but I think at that point the game's a toss-up, and as the homer in me, I'll I'll give us the win there. Uh, The next week we have off. That is the one bye week in the season. That's a W. Count that as a W. uh, Sure. Uh, Then, rather than to Dallas, we will head to Kyle Field in College Station, to face Jimbo Fisher's Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, here's my hot take. This is our big upset win right here because here's what's going to happen. We're going to win an Ole Miss. We're going to be stoked. We're going to come off our first SEC win in a long-ass time. We're going to have a dub at homecoming. We're going to be fired up. We're going to get a full week to recover. Not only are we hyped up, our bodies are, are mending. The team is getting healthier. Any injuries we can take care of. We can figure out a, a game plan to go attack the Aggies down end in College Station. And I think we march down there. And I think we come out with our signature win of the Sam Pittman first season. Uh, and that is it's probably a spicier take than most people would be willing to give. Or maybe uh, it might be just dumb. But I like to think that coming off a win against Ole Miss and a, with a week in between to fully rest up and prepare, I think that's where we go down and we shock we shot the college football world, and we take it away from from uh, from Jimbo and, and the Aggies. And it's also just personal for me because I just don't like A and M and would love to beat them. So that's my that's my hot take. <laughs> uh, I like it. Uh, this Texas A and M team. Uh, I'm not even really sure what to make of them. This feels like Jimbo Fisher should be on the hot seat this year, given his underachievement for his gargantuan contract with them. But that contract might be so big that the buyout just prohibits them from firing him. So I can see them as kind of an underachiever this year, but I'm not sure that it matters. All that to say, this game has been close for just about 10 years now in a row. And even when we've been much worse than we are now, so... I can definitely see this as a possibility for a win. I'm not sure that I'm going to go that far yet. I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I, I'm rushing kind of headlong into this one and not really taking any sort of uh, logic or cool, like cooler heads prevail sort of approach here. I, I want to, I want the dub, and I'm just going to proclaim it, and I'm going to go with the secret method and just. Uh, what is the word I'm going to project or I'm going to, uh, what is that word? I'm going to manifest. I'm manifesting a win 
for the <laughs> for the Hawks. Uh, because that's what uh, Eckhart Tolle says to do. He says if you just manifest it, it happens. So I'm manifesting a win for the Hogs at Kyle Field. Well, I'm not going to exclude myself from the hot take manifestation of a win, but it'll come a little later. Okay. Um, so the n- next week we play number 21, Tennessee. So that is now one, two, three, four, five ranked teams out of six games. Uh, whew, that's at Razorback Stadium in Fayetteville. And Jeremy Pruitt, kind of the resurgent Tennessee head coach. Uh, what do we think of that game? Uh, also, correct me if I'm wrong. Do we have the hardest schedule in the SEC? Um, Some would say that it's the hardest schedule ever. In football, yeah. I just In just, football. Yeah, just uh, in the history of all schedules. I agree. Um, yeah, I... Tennessee is always kind of an enigma to me because they're always supposed to be good even when they're bad. Um, and uh, that's always kind of confused me. I think they sometimes do get by on the brand name of Tennessee Volunteers because they've been very good in the past. Um, some of their teams in the past, you know, within the 2010s, especially the last decade, have kind of left a lot to be desired. Um, just felt they had a lot of talent that they were underutilized or somehow they just couldn't get it together. So I, this one's kind of hard for me to call. Uh, I mean, they looked good on Saturday. Obviously they looked better than a few of the teams that, that other that played as well. And I, it's just, this team is an enigma to me. Um, I just, on paper, I think they win uh, just because again, they have that sec depth and the recruitment depth that we just don't have. But I think this is a kind of a game. I think, I think how we play here depends on how we play, at A&M. I think, you know, if we're coming off a win, I think we, we play with a little fire and that we can we can play with whoever. But I think, you know, if we're coming off a tough loss at A&M, that's going to kind of affect us too. Not to say that, you know, we're going to be affected weekly by wins and losses, but I think, you know, having some momentum off a couple SEC wins would be, would be huge. But man, this one's hard to call and like, but my gut is just that I don't, I don't think the Hogs particularly are going to, are going to go to are going to get to take a dub away from the Volunteers this year. They look, they look pretty good on offense, and that defense is pretty stingy. Uh, I agree. I'm not going to call a win here, although I do think that there's a lot going in our favor here. Uh, I think that 21 ranking is a little bit overrated. I think part of that's part of the brand. Um, Tennessee has kind of been spared that Texas is back syndrome, even though they kind of live it every year. Um, Where all of a sudden Peyton Manning, Tennessee, I feel like every time they hire a new coach, but I, their talent is probably going to take over. However, I, expect this one to be closer um than most of the games for the rest of the season and i wouldn't be shocked with a win i mean i suppose i'd be shocked with any sec win simply because that's what our bar is set at however incredibly low that is but uh i can see an arkansas win there but i'm not gonna call it I think it's a, uh, a a win would be nice. Uh, I would be surprised by it. It'd be nice. I wouldn't be. I won't be surprised by a loss. It's truly a toss up to me. Not in the sense of that. I think both teams are evenly matched. It's just I don't know enough about what Tennessee is as a team to, and I don't really know what Arkansas is as a team either, based off our one game just yet to know what that matchup kind of looks like and what we do well versus what they do well. Uh, so it's not a toss up in talent level. I think Tennessee. I think most teams in the SEC are gonna have the edge on us there. It's just do we know what we are and who we 
are and do we know who Tennessee is and what they do well. So that's just a toss-up for me in the sense that I, I just need to figure out what these teams can do. I think that's kind of going to be the case for the rest of the schedule and honestly the season as a whole because you don't see any tune-up games against some lower division cupcakes. We are only SEC, so really we kind of got a trial by fire playing the number four team in the country, Georgia, to start off, but we really don't know what we have here, so obviously these are going to be less educated guesses than usual. However, I feel pretty solid about the next week, which is at the number three Florida Gators. Dan Mullen has that machine running. I'm going to say an L on this one. Yeah, that's going to be tough, man. Uh, That Florida offense is scary, and they all know exactly what they're doing and how to do it. Kyle Trask looked like he could not throw an incomplete pass on Saturday. Uh, I mean, granted, he's going against Ole Miss, and I think anyone's going to look like a stud against Ole Miss. But uh, that's not all Ole Miss defense. Mike, he he looked smart. He knew where the hit ball was going. He knew how to get it to who he needed to get it to and when to get it to him. And like you said, that that Dan Mullen ha- offensive machine is just gonna it's just gonna run us over. Uh, I don't want to be a bit. I'm never like a fatalist too much when it comes to Arkansas, especially because I'm so fired up after the first game. But that's just that's just not in the wheelhouse for the Hogs in year one of a new coaching rebuild. No, it's a bridge too far. Uh, I would take a Georgia-style performance where maybe we cause some problems for a half and then fade later. Yeah, and it'll be good game reps for people. But so long as nobody gets hurt. Uh, maybe we get to see Felipe put up some touchdowns against his old team, but I don't see a win there at all. No. However, the next week we play the LSU Tigers at Donald W. Reynolds Razorback Stadium. And this is going to be my hot take, uh, Sam Pittman's signature win, despite the odds. I'm giving us the win over number 20 LSU. And I'll tell you why, because we always play this game close. Yeah. Uh, we always, I, I feel like no matter what the ranking is, I mean, my God, we beat them when they were number one and we were unranked. This series is a better rivalry, I think, than a lot of people in the college football world give it credit for. And that's simply because for whatever reason, the players get up for it. And yeah. I guess they want that boot. And so I, I'm going to call it, I'm going to call my shot and say that an LSU team that lost 17 out of 22 starters, um, is going to struggle a bit and they're going to lack cohesion. And at this point in the season, they'll probably have some more cohesion than they do now. But I think Sam gets his players up for this one and he gets a trophy, uh, to celebrate, a big SEC win. Yeah, I, I'm going to retweet that hot take. I think to your, you know, the Auburn Tigers are your team to to possibly suffer an implosion. To me, that's the LSU Tigers. I think the LSU Tigers are are poised for a lot of regression this year, um, and I think we will really see how good of a coach Coach Ed Ogeron is. Um, but I think I think the Hawks very much could get a win here, and, and I kind of give us the edge because we're at home. You know, we'll see what that looks like come you know, November when it's time to, to gear up and play them. But 
home field is still something that, that they have to travel. they got to come to Arkansas to play us, and like you said, it's the golden boot. It's one of the best rivalries in the SEC, and as well as just a college football. It's always a tough game, always a fun game to watch. Um, and I think, I think Arkansas very much can win this game. Uh, like you said, just an incredible amount of turnover. I, I think the lack of Joe Brady is hurting them more than they – they think, um, or maybe than we thought. Like obviously, you no know, Joe Burrow, a Heisman winner, set all kinds of records, national championship. That guy's gone to be already looking really good in the NFL. Like you're going to miss him, but I think Joe Brady orchestrating that offense is something too that maybe is hurting them a little more than they think. Obviously, he's with the Panthers now and doing their offense, but man, they just they didn't look like the same well machine that they looked like last year. And you know, Mason Brennan didn't look bad, and or excuse me, uh, is it Miles or Mason? Uh, I actually think it's Mason. I think I was right the first time. Uh, Mason, yeah, Mason Brennan didn't look bad. Uh, he put up some good yards. Obviously, not the start you want coming in to fill in for a national championship team. But I think the yeah, I think the the LSU Tigers are are primed for a loss in Arkansas, and I think Arkansas takes home a win and takes home the Golden Trophy. And I think Sam Pittman, at least in my opinion, gets his second uh, signature win of the season and surprises a lot of people and. And uh, gets to put something in his some some hardware on the shelf. Season one. Uh, re- remaining on that kind of rivalry theme, the next week we head to Furrow Field in Columbia, Missouri, across the battle line, presented by Shelter Insurance. That's we right, play folks. At Eli Drinkwitz's Missouri Tigers. Uh, love the battle line rivalry. Shout out to Shelter Insurance. Uh, yeah, I think I th- I'm gonna give us a dub here. They looked bad. Um, they looked very bad on both sides of the ball against, granted, a very good Alabama team, number two in the country. Uh, when they played them, I believe they're still ranked number two. And Mac Jones looked very good. Looks like he was glad he waited for, you know, he had to wait for Tua, and he had to wait on, you know, Jalen. He had to wait all those guys, but. Looks like he was worth the wait for that team. He threw some dots. He was looking good. And of course, the Alabama run game is just, it's just always good. Damian Harris's brother, little brother Najee is already looking just like a vintage Alabama running back that can just run everyone over and also outrun them at the same time because they never have bad running backs. It's just what they do. Um, but granted, I, they, they looked, they looked great, but I, I think also just, I don't think Drinkwitz has, Missouri, ha- uh, where Pittman has Arkansas, to be quite frank. As far as putting up some sort of a fight, we looked much better against Georgia than they looked against Alabama, and I would put that kind of at the same level of uneven you know, talent level. So I think we have you know, the same amount of talent they do, if not more, and I think we looked better with it based off the one game I've seen of each, of each player, and I feel pretty confident to give Arkansas a dub in the battle line rivalry. Uh, off of our one-game sample size, I feel pretty good about this game it's a way which is not great but i feel like coach odom is gonna want a little bit of revenge because i did not think he deserved to be fired at the end of last season so to maybe stick it to the new guy who took his job i can totally see defense uh playing a part here he'll have those guys fired up and then obviously sam Pittman will have Everybody fired up. I can totally see a win here. I agree on the fact that Alabama and Georgia, at least on paper, seem like they're in the same tier right now. Alabama's better on offense, which is kind of a scary thought. Um, but 
Uh, I agree. I feel like we're in a better position with Sam Pittman right now than Missouri is with Eli Drinkwitz uh, right now. Obviously, we'll see. That'll be November 28th. But I don't know. I feel pretty good about that one. Uh, Maybe that's foolish of me. Don't feel great about the next one, which is the last one, which is number two, Alabama at Razorback Stadium to end the year. End it with a bang. Yeah. um, I... I don't remember the last time we've played Alabama particularly close. Um, I don't know the last time that we had the same level of talent that they had. It might have been back in, you know, the Darren McFadden days, or maybe the maybe the Ryan Mallett days. But it was we haven't played them close in a while. I guess is is the the gist of that story. And I just to put it bluntly, don't see us rolling uh, rolling them up in any form or fashion in any part of the game. I think they come to Fayetteville, and unfortunately, I think they get a win, and we go out with a loss. But I think that puts. For me, that I gives me, I I'm looking projecting four wins for the Hawks with this loss to Alabama. Uh, yeah, looks like it. So things could be going pretty well for you. Uh, I project a loss. Also, uh, they'll be in the playoff discussion. So I'm sure at that point, uh, Nick Saban will not want to take any losses to a lowly Arkansas team to hurt any chance of getting into the SEC championship and therefore the playoff. So I imagine that they will take care of business. That puts us at three wins in my book, which I feel like three to four wins is ahead of even where we thought we might be when we thought we were getting a full 12-game season. I think we said that we were thinking about two wins uh, last year, and I don't know. The future suddenly looks brighter. It does. Uh, Just for posterity's sake, when when I come back and listen to this at the end of the season, uh, I'm very high off our first game performance, and I might be making these projections from that place instead of a sense of realism, and I might have some misplaced hope like we've discussed. Uh, but yeah, I think three to four wins now is, doesn't seem as crazy, especially three to four SEC wins doesn't seem as crazy as it did uh, when Pittman was first hired or when the season first started. So yeah, it's it's crazy now that we don't have any non-SEC opponents and we are just fully in the bus of SEC play all the time, and you know, granted, I might have some rose-tinted glasses on when I make these projections, but I also don't feel like I'm speaking completely out of my ass. No, and I still feel like, I mean, there is a very distinct possibility that a winless season is on the table. Yes, but after I, that I will performance not be surprised. Against, after that performance against Georgia, I might be surprised. Um, yeah. Simply because I think this team looks like they can get up and beat some people. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there's some bad luck with the scheduling, playing the hardest schedule ever. But, you know, you're in the SEC. That's what's going to happen. And there are winnable games on this schedule. It's going to be hard, obviously. But if Georgia is anything to show for, I really think that there's something here. And something that Sam Pittman has figured out. And at least the team seems like they're ready to get up and fight for him. Yeah, if we go over and we play like we played against Georgia for the majority of the season, 
it will be the most excited I have ever been about going 0-4 uh, because I believe there's a lot of stuff to build off here just off one game and a lot of good things to look forward to. So, again, I, I don't want to 0-4 season. Like, I would love to win <laughs> win a couple games. It's been so long since we've won an SEC game. I would love to just get the one uh, and you just get it out of the way. I feel like that's just a mental thing. As we win one, hey, why not another? We win that one, hey, why not another? So I think just clearing that mental hurdle of getting that first SEC win out of the way uh, is going to be big for this team. But, yeah, I I just – there's a lot to build on if we don't get a win like we said there are no moral victories and that sucks we didn't get a win but man it looks like there's a lot of potential here and a lot of long-term potential not just this season potential right i think if anything we'll get to see kind of the first building blocks of something that can be built to last and i hope that that comes with our first sec win and i think 17 games <gasps> uh yeah, not great there, but uh, I think it's possible this year. I really do. I do, too. Um, we're going to jump ahead, and we're going to – normally, uh, just so you guys know, moving forward, we're going to be doing two kind of shorter episodes. We'll have one releasing on Mondays where we break down the previous Saturday's game and kind of analyze what we did and didn't do there. And then we'll have another episode on Thursday that will kind of recap any other Arkansas sports news that has come out during the week. And we'll also look ahead to the games uh, ahead, especially on Saturday with it being football. But since this is our first episode um, and we don't have as much time uh, because we have to kind of squeeze things in since week one's already kind of started, uh, we're doing one big one to kick us off. But you can look forward to two kind of smaller, more bite-sized episodes moving forward. Easier to digest. Uh, so with that, let's do a more in-depth discussion of our Mississippi State game that's coming up. Let's take a look at what Mississippi State was able to do Saturday against LSU because it was, quite frankly, a lot uh, and impressive. I mean, I everyone said kind of coming into the season that the air raid won't work in the SEC. It's kind of the drum that has been beaten that you can't beat the SEC defense uh, defensive talent with an air raid offense. It just isn't going to work, and that was decidedly not the case uh, on Saturday with Mississippi State getting the win against LSU. So let's take a little dive into their numbers. Mississippi State put up 632 total yards of offense. 628 of those were through the air. So that's almost all of them. That is essentially their entire offense, uh, which a little bit misleading. Uh, Kylan Hill, the running back for Mississippi State, did have seven carries for 34 yards, but because they passed so much, K.J. Costello, their quarterback, took about negative 38 yards in sacks. Uh, so it all evened out to getting about uh, four yards total of rushing. So it, a little misleading there. They, did, they were able to get the ball running, but, I mean, obviously they did a lot of their damage to the air. K.J. Costello, the Stanford transfer, uh, going 36 of 60. That's right, they did the ball 60 times uh, for 628 yards, five touchdowns, and two interceptions. Uh, the leaders on offense for the dogs were Osiris Mitchell, who had seven catches for 183 yards and two touchdowns. Kellen Hill, the aforementioned running back, added eight catches for 158 yards and a touchdown was killing it out of the backfield as a receiver and they really got him involved often and early so you know it you know 34 yards on the ground but 183 yards and two touchdowns receiving um javonta payton added six catches for 122 yards tyrell shavers had two catches for 68 yards and a touchdown austin williams had seven catches for 57 yards and a touchdown and there were five more mississippi players with at least one catch and four of them had at least two catches there was only one guy that had one catch so 
kind of a a Georgia situation here where they got a guy they can sling it and they got a billion different guys that they can throw it to if they so choose. Uh, that said, I mean, the dogs didn't look super great on defense. They just, you know, were able to score more points. They did give up 425 yards to LSU, uh, who had, you know, almost none of the same starters they had last year as a very fresh team. And they were able to move the ball against the dogs, which I think the hogs will be able to do as well. Uh, but it doesn't matter if you can score, you know, if you can score 70 points a game, you just don't have to give up 70 points a game. And I think the, the Mississippi State defense is able to do that. So, uh, man, that 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 transfer from K.J. Costello, despite being probably the biggest culture shock of his life going from Stanford to Mississippi State, he has adapted to this air raid offense that Mike Leach preaches quickly and efficiently. Obviously, his cost of living has gone down quite a bit. Um, so good for you, K.J., uh, yeah, this is going to be a weird one. And I, for some reason, I'm really struggling to call this one. And maybe it should be easier simply because 632 yards is ridiculous. Um, and 628 being through the air, uh, like just insane. Um, especially against LSU, who obviously are usually one of the premier SEC teams. So that really does kind of smack down that talking point, but the two interceptions, it just makes me wonder. I mean, turnovers are key in any game, but in this kind of game, if our defense forces a couple of picks early, that's, I mean, how you shut down the air raid is you cause turnovers. And so I can see that building and causing momentum. I'm not sure that I would expect it. And quite frankly, I can maybe see a scenario where the 628 yards gets broken past, but I don't know. I I just, if you turn the ball over and if you're throwing it that much, you're going to probably turn the ball over. There's a chance. I'm not giving us a great chance, but there's a chance. Yeah, we, I don't think we necessarily have on defense any what you would call ball hawks, but we do have guys that are quick and like are flying around to the ball. So I think it's it's one of those things that like it's pretty obvious to say, and you know any defensive coordinator can say is, but like if we can like not get beat over the top too much, I think if we can keep the ball kind of in front of us, we do have some guys that can fly around and get to the ball and make those tackles. And you know that, that said, like. We could also get beat over the top pretty easily um, if we're not careful. We got you know some new guys coming in and, and filling in on, in the defensive secondary, and like we said, KJ Costello just looked good. He looked like he was supposed to be the quarterback in this system, and he had no problem slinging it for sixty times. And if that's that's probably going to be close to what he averages a contest. You know what I mean? It's probably going to be a thing where he is throwing the ball anywhere from fifty to seventy times a game. And against Arkansas, I think it might be on the more of the side of of seventy, unless they can just get on the uh, you start humming and, and they can start handing the ball off because they've they've taken over. But I don't necessarily see that happening. I see us at least matching them because, like we said, the defense didn't look particularly stout. They gave up four hundred twenty five yards and quite a few points uh, as well. It was a it was a closer game for a little bit there, and it's not exactly like they're a brick wall that nobody is, can score on. I think we're going to be able to get our points as well. I just think is like, can we keep up? And I don't think we can. That's the question, and it's going to be interesting to see how Bryles decides to approach this because the way that you stop an air raid from scoring other than turnovers is keeping them off the field. And the way you do that is controlling the ball and the clock. 
And based on the speed we were going against Georgia, that's not the goal. But in this situation, you might need to change up the game plan a little bit. Give it to Rakeem and eat some clock. I would not... I mean, I, I hope that that is at least in the playbook. But, hey, if we're scoring, which I think we can, I guess I'm not going to complain. Yeah, I agree. It's just like, it's again, like, the defense for... Mississippi State didn't has didn't have to be particularly great if they can put up you know sixty five points they just have to not let us score more than sixty five and that seems pretty doable for them because they were definitely I think they're just going to be the bend not break defense all season where they maybe they give up big chunk plays but maybe they just like let people like gain as many yards as they want between the twenties but bow up when it gets to the goal line and or you know they they allow a few points but at the end of the day they still win by twenty to thirty because they're putting up so many so I just think we're just going to be inundated and or or yeah, it's inundated with that air raid, and I I just don't think there's no way we can put a plug in it long enough to to compete and, and stay with them. Uh, I I think I think Mississippi State wins this game. I think it might be. I think we keep it a little closer than people think, and I think we do get our points. But I I can't in good faith say that this is for sure an Arkansas win. I feel more or less the same way. So unfortunately, folks, neither of us are going to give us the win uh but i think both of us feel good about at least scoring points and moving the ball right which again is a improvement from last season when i was scared to even look at who we were putting under center so this time i feel good about who we have under center i kind of know what we're going to do going forward and i know that we have the skill players we have and that they're being utilized at least if not correctly quite yet competently and they're figuring out ways for them to be utilized correctly so a, a different feeling going into the season than i anticipated having based off one game but uh, a feeling i'm very much glad to have one that i'll absolutely take this is the best i felt about arkansas football in three years and Oh, man, for us to turn the corner would be just so nice. <laughs> would be cool to finally get over that hump, man, and just start worrying about things besides when are we going to get our first win and do we know how to use the guys we have. So I think, again, not only is it a mental hurdle for the Arkansas players, but I think that fan base of getting that first that first big SEC win and just breathing a sigh of relief and feeling the last eight or so years just kind of lift off your shoulders and – see what the future can be is going to be real nice for everyone involved with the program to the fan base to students alumni all that jazz that will bring the first episode of hogging the mic to a close i have been tucker partridge he's been saul malone give us a follow on twitter we have a new twitter account at hogging mike pod you can find us there. You can find us on any podcasting platform coming up pretty soon. There may be some negotiation stuff we have to figure out in that regard, but shouldn't be too big of a deal. Uh, give us a follow on our own Twitter accounts at Tucker Partridge and at Saul Malone. Pretty simple. You can just follow us at our names. Saul, any last words? Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks, King. Uh, I just want to say, if you are returning from Wupad Sui, thanks for coming back. Uh, you know, we missed you guys. It was fun to have that pod, and we were sad to see it go. Uh, if you have no idea what we're talking about when we say Wupad Sui, that is okay. 
welcome to hogging the mic it's better anyway uh so you came at the right time but we are stoked to be doing this podcast again um and we're stoked to be talking about arkansas athletics again it is very very fun to be able to just do this again we missed it um and we do it because people like you actually listen so big uh big thanks to everyone that came through it i and while we're doing shameless plugging, if you'd like to read more about the Hogs on at least a weekly basis, I have a sports newsletter. It's called Pigtails. It does a deeper dive into Arkansas athletics. We'll be talking a lot of football, but pretty soon we've got basketball coming up, so be on the lookout for that. We'll also be posting the podcast on that as well. That is also on Instagram and Facebook at Pigtails Newsletter. We will see you next week, baby. Go Hogs. Woo pig. Y'all better put him in the Heisman. We got, we got the war right here. 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 Number five, you better look at him a little closer. He's a football player. It's Arkansas, baby.